and that's what comes into your head, or that's what you say. So it, it becomes the core reference. The reference frame becomes the core structure for the entire everything you do. It's the knowledge about the world is in these reference frames. Yeah, you you make a strong claim about the the primacy of motion, right? You, because there's everyone knows that there's part of the cortex devoted to motor action. We refer to it as as the motor cortex, uh, and distinguish it from sensory cortex in that way. But it's also true that other regions of the cortex and and perhaps every region of the cortex does have some connection to lower structures that can affect motion, right? So it's not it, it's not that it's just motor cortex that's in the in the motion game. And by analogy or by direct implication, you think of thought as itself being a kind of movement in conceptual space, right? So there's a mapping of the the sensory world that can really only be accomplished by acting on it, you know, and, and therefore moving, right? So you, the yeah. only way to map the cup, you know, is to touch it with your fingers in the end. There is a, an analogous kind of motion in conceptual space and, you know, even, you know, abstract ideas like, I think some of the examples you give in the book are like, you know, democracy, right? You know, or, yeah. or money or what it is, how, how we understand these things. So let's go back to the first thing you said there. The idea that there's motor cortex and sensory cortex is, is sort of no longer considered right. Uh, as you mentioned, we, the neurons that in these cortical columns, there are certain neurons that are the motor output neurons. These are in a particular layer five, as they're called. And so in the motor cortex, they were really big and they project to the spinal cord and say, oh, that's how you move your fingers. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the neurons, uh, the, the columns in the visual cortex, the parts that get input from the eyes, they have these same layer five cells. And these cells project to a part of the brain called the superior colliculus, which is what controls eye motion. So this goes against the original idea that, oh, there's sensory cortex and motor cortex. No one believes that. Well, I don't know nobody, but very few people believe that anymore. It's, as far as we know, every part of the cortex has a motor output. And so every part of the cortex is getting some sort of input and it having some motor output. And so the basic algorithm of cortex is a sensory motor system. It's not, it's not divided. It's not like we have sensory areas and, and motor areas. As far as we know, ever it's been seen, there's these, these motor cells everywhere. So we, we can put that aside. Now, I can very, very clearly walk you through and, and in some sense prove from, from logic that when you're learning what a coffee cup feels like, and I could even do this for vision, that you have to have this idea of a reference frame, that you know, the finger, you have to know where your finger is relative to the cup, and that's how you build a model of it. And so we can build out this cortical column that explains how it, how it does that. How do, your, how do your parts of your cortex that are representing your fingers are able to learn the structure of a coffee cup? Now, Mountcastle, go back to him, he said, look, it's the same algorithm everywhere. And he says, it looks the same everywhere. So it's the same algorithm everywhere. So that's what sort of say, hmm, well, if I'm thinking about something that doesn't seem like a sensory motor system, like I'm not touching something or looking, I'm just thinking about something. That would, if, if Mountcastle was right, then the same basic algorithm would be applying there. So that was one constraint. Like, well, that, you know, and, and the evidence is that Mountcastle is right. I mean, the, the, the physical evidence suggests he's right. We just, it just seems a little bit odd to think like, well, well, how is language like this? And how is mathematics like, you know, touching a coffee cup? But then we realize that, that it's just reference frames are a way of storing everything. And the and, and way you move through a reference frame, it's like, how do you move from one location? How do the neurons activate one location after another location after another location? We do that 
to this idea of movement. If I'm, so I'm moving, if I want access to locations on a coffee cup, I move my finger. But the same concept could apply to mathematics or to politics, but you're not actually physically moving something, but you're still walking through a structure. A good, a good bridge example is if I say to you, you know, imagine your house, and you know, I ask you to walk, you know, tell me about your house. What you'll do is you'll mentally imagine walking through your house. It won't be random. You just won't have random thoughts come to your head. But you will mentally imagine walking through your house, and as you walk through your house, you'll recall what is supposed to be seen in different directions. You can say, oh, I'll walk in the front door, and I'll look to the right. What do I see? I'll look to the left. What do I see? This is sort of a, an example you could relate it to something physically you could move to, but that's pretty much what's going on when you're thinking about anything. If you're thinking about your podcast and how you get more subscribers, you have a model of that in your head, and you're, you are test, you will trying it out, thinking about different aspects by literally invoking these different locations and reference frames. And so that's sort of the core of all knowledge. Yeah, it's interesting. I guess to, back to Mountcastle for a second, one piece of evidence in favor of this view of a common cortical algorithm is, is the fact that adjacent areas of cortex can be appropriated by you know, various functions. You know, you know, if you you know, lose your vision, say, you know, you know, classical visual cortex can be appropriated by other senses. And there's this plasticity that can ignore some of the previous boundaries between separate senses in the cortex. Yeah, that's right. There's this tremendous plasticity and, and you can also recover from various sorts of trauma and so on. I mean, there's some rewiring that has to occur, but the, it does show that that whatever's going, whatever the 